Warning, what you're about to hear is intended to make you laugh a lot, while also hearing some cool people talk about the cool shit they're doing. If you're easily offended or just can't take a joke, then you should turn this off right now. Otherwise, turn this shit up and hang on. Welcome to the Get Up. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome to the Get Up. <laughs> I just keep laughing at that goofy, funky music. Welcome to the Get Up. Uh, make sure to follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram, the Get Up Show. You can also check us out at Facebook at the Get Up Show Podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, everywhere, the Get Up. And then you can also just visit this, the site, www.thegetupshow.com. Uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, comment, do all that good stuff. Uh, today, I am joined by a fellow that I actually went to high school with uh, by the name of Ted Hauser. Ted Hauser, how you doing? Good, how you, man? Doing good, doing good. Yeah. What's going on? So, Ted is interested in something that I'm very passionate about. If you've listened to the show, you know we talk movies. Uh, Ted is also into film, and he's got some really cool stuff going on, so that's why we have him on to see what, what's been going on with him and, and the things that he's been doing. So, Ted, what do you got? What do you got going on? Yeah, so uh, good, good to see you again, man. It's yeah, been a know, while. Right? It's been I mean, forever. Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm a filmmaker, and I'm also a film festival coordinator, and I've just recently, uh, I'm coming aboard the Cinetopia Film Festival, which is a one of the larger film festivals in Michigan. We might be uh, first or second largest film festival in Michigan. Uh, it's happening in May of this year, so I'm the Detroit Festival Coordinator. Uh, it's been going on for seven years. Really? We put on 62 films around Metro Detroit. So it's in Ann Arbor and in Detroit and Metro Detroit. This year we're going to be in Ann Arbor, Dearborn, Royal Oak, uh, the city of Detroit, uh, wherever the Maple Theater is. What is that? Bloomfield Hills. Yeah, yeah somewhere. Right. So 62 films over 10 days. We're going to have filmmaker, wow. pa- filmmaker panels, uh, special events, secret events, secret movies. Secret events, even secret movies. You can't even announce. Okay. Can't even no announce. spoilers. Okay. Right. Uh, Maybe we can talk about it off mic. Okay. okay. Uh, yes. So, um, and uh, so what Cinetopia does is they program movies from a lot of world film festivals. So they don't take submissions like Sundance, but what they do is they syndicate films, which okay. is what a lot of festivals do now, which means they go to Sundance. They pick go them to, up there. They pick them up there in Toronto. So it's going to be a lot of great movies from all around uh, the world that may not be, get released in Michigan or may not get released for very long. Right. What I'm really excited about, though, is that Cinetopia has a short film competition that only comes from local films. Really? So that's one of my responsibilities. It's called Detroit Voices. It's a short film competition. It's like $5,000 in cash prizes. Okay. We show docs and narratives. And if you're a local filmmaker... actually, Now, you still now have... is that submission-based? It is submission-based. Okay. And so that's great because, you know... If you're a filmmaker in Michigan, you want to go to a film festival. You know the idea that this big film festival happens that has you know that's showing movies in uh, all these great venues that they uh, should also probably show some local films. So you know the the features are mostly sourced from you know these you know big name filmmakers that are coming right. from Sundance, but uh, for you know local content, we definitely want to support well, local. That's filmmakers. awesome, yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's happening May 10th through 19th. All right, uh, and you can just look that up: Cinetopiafilmfest.org. Sweet, sweet. All right. That's awesome, dude. Like, 
actually i'd never even heard about that until i saw that you posted that and i was like that's cool too right like i reached out to you because i saw that you were interested in film and everything and then all of a sudden you're like bam doing this too so how did that how did that come about like how did you even get involved with that how did that all happen okay so i uh studied film in school and then i moved out to la uh, just a quick history about me. And then I did seven years of doing various stuff in the entertainment industry that I actually didn't really like that much. Uh, and I've got some stories. Uh, uh, just quickly, uh, my first job was working development. So I would be reading scripts and, and writing reports on scripts uh, for a company that exclusively did business with the Hallmark and Lifetime channels. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So, so you you read all the, like, the, right. the crazy Hallmark. Mm-hmm. So this was, so How? we, I mean, and this was funny too, because this is, first off is that like, not everyone, but most people in the entertainment industry is crazy. And right. my boss was very crazy. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, if he's retired, maybe I'll give his name. Maybe I shouldn't give his name. But yeah, he was, we'll, he was, we'll hold off. Yeah, we'll hold off. Maybe. He was crazy. And he was uh, also not the type of person who would ever watch Hallmark or Lifetime. Right. But our company made TV movies and we had, we had, a, we had this, this, this infrastructure to make TV movies. And okay. one year we made six Lifetime movies. That's so we could, <laughs> uh, we could, uh, this is back when like a lot of production was in Toronto. I don't know if they, this is kind of before every state had a film incentive. Right. So it, anyway, I don't want to, and Toronto has been pretty big. I know that yeah. they have a lot of incentives and a lot of stuff gets shot in Toronto mm -hmm. as like a backdrop for like New York, Chicago, yeah. Detroit. Just everyone speaks with a Canadian <clears throat> accent. Right. <laughs> oh, hello. Uh, but, or and, they just don't talk. And it's yeah. just the, the actors, <laughs> but uh, but um, that was uh, a lot of uh, you know long long hours. I mean, it's it's Hollywood, so it's kind of like startup hours. Uh, you know, right. like you're working Silicon Valley. Uh, uh, but um, an interesting experience, and I did seven years of that in various different offices. And then seven I'm, years of Hallmark movies? No, I don't know. Well, not Hallmark movies. That was only about two years. That was only two years. I was say seven uh, years, man. That's that's uh, you're calling the the guy crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah. So um, ex now I, I have some great Hallmark stories. But um, uh, after that, I moved back here. I moved back to Michigan, and I what I wanted to do is like focus on my own work, yep. uh, on my own films, and uh, all of the interesting projects that I've always had in the back of my mind that I couldn't really do in LA. I wanted to do them here, so uh, I started doing movie nights. I used a pop-up event space to do okay. movie nights and then moved on to program some film series at legit movie theaters. Uh, that's always been something that I wanted to do, something that I didn't really make a lot of money off of. But, right. Yeah. So, But I, I mean, it's just kind of cool, right? I mean, that's the, mm -hmm. I got my movie in a theater, in a real theater. Like, mm -hmm. I screw it. Even if you right. didn't make any money, like... Uh, it's something you can check off. Like you did, it's cool. It's the real theater experience. Someone gets to experience it like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and for some people, that's the part of it, right? Is like the, oh, I could watch a movie in my TV, um, in my room, but I want to go to the theater. So that's that's yeah. cool. I can respect that. Yeah, and uh, so that's how what kind of directly led me to working with Cinetopia. Uh, they're mas they're m mostly based out of Ann Arbor. Okay, uh, and they've kind of expanded into Detroit because there's a lot of great. Yeah. There's a lot of great theaters here, and there's a great audience. And um, th just my experience um, of just putting on film series and just knowing people in Detroit and kind of working in that, um, it's kind of paid off. So, okay. yeah, this is great. I mean, it's rare in the creative space to get a nine to five that is creative. Uh, at least in Michigan, uh, right. so I kind of felt like this is this is a little bit of a payoff. Uh, not to brag or anything, but uh, I definitely I been working at this for a while maybe for a while. four years or so 
uh, of just this side hustle of just putting on film series and showing and like sharing cool films to right. people or like begging them to be like, this is, you know, this, this is, is worth, worth your it. time. Yeah, come, yeah. come check it out. Right. Right. And, and I think part of that too, though, that part's got to be kind of hard. Right. Um, and that's what a conversation that I've had before is, is <clears throat> critics and like, what's a good movie? What isn't? Because mm-hmm. each person can take different value out of it. Right. So trying to get mm-hmm. someone like, Hey, you got to come check out this. Like my girlfriend gets pissed off me all the time because either it'll be one. She didn't want to start watching. And then she ends up like, wow, that was really good. Or she's like, what the fuck are you making me watch? So <laughs> like, it can go both ways. So I can mm-hmm. see how it's hard to get people to go out of their, normal comfort zone of the movies that they kind of like or the entertainment they like and be like look this is worth your time come check it out that's exactly like what i'm just trying to do especially because like coming from my experience in the industry so much of the industry is like marketing right so it's just like it's like marketing and it's like rotten tomatoes and it's all that stuff and to ask someone like okay you need to see this movie it might not even be on rotten tomatoes it's going to yeah. be something weird, like you know, it's called Mika Droid. It's about yeah. it's a, it's a it's a eighties Japanese exploitation movie <laughs> about a samurai soldier, super soldier from the forties who was frozen after World War Two and now uh, comes alive and kills people in the parking garage of a disco. Did, is this one that you made, or is no? No, this is this is the real movie from the eighties okay. that I showed. It's called That's, it's called Mika Droid. Really? Robo, it's and the, and the undertitled is Robo Kill under the disco Layla. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and, uh, because it doesn't have any, uh, I don't know, there's, there's essentially no, no, like, uh, release of the movie. I don't know, even know how I got the, uh, how you even got a DVD. A friend of mine gave me the DVD and he's like, this is something that you would like. And I was like offended almost because it's, uh, it's like the DVD cover is like just the most ridiculous (laughs) exploitation movie. And then you watch it and you're like, this is genius. Have you ever seen, so it's funny because you, you talk about that, right? Like yeah. the, the movie that kind of gets passed around and right. no one really even knows how it got released or who, how you even ended up with it. Mm-hmm. I saw one in Chicago. So when I went to Columbia College, uh, I saw one called The Forbidden Zone. Uh, it's black and white. Oh, yeah. It's got Hervé, the, the little, the little yeah, from small Treasure Island. Dwarf. Yes, yes. I so know this movie, yes. That was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it looked like the the backdrops for everything was just made out of construction paper. And I mean, it was, it was so crazy. It just looked like basically they just got really high on some acid or something. And then just was like, let's make a movie this weekend. And it was so bizarre. I mean, like the, at one point they were like in a classroom and someone throws something out the window and it literally just goes through a paper window and rips the paper. (laughs) And it was like, what? And then it was, I just remember the funniest part when they go to the forbidden zone, it's like through this whole tube. And then you realize it's like someone's intestines because then they got like shit out with like brown pillows. It was so, but I mean, or well, black pillows because it was black and white, but it was just such a weird movie. And it was just like, how did this get made? How did this? And I've been, I've like looked it up. I can't really find anything on it. Like, it's just so bizarre. But, you know, it was one of those things like film school students were passing around. Hey, check this out. Yeah. And it's such an amazing experience just to experience a film that uh, you you just don't know what's happening. It's like you're in that. And it's like you're in like the secret little club. Like, yeah, I've seen this movie, you know. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, uh, like just the experience of watching the movie. You just don't know what. What you're going to be going, in for. Yeah, yeah. it's like, um, re- well, I mean, there's there's been some films like that that I feel like might be a little more mainstream. Uh, it, just you explaining Forbidden Zone to me reminded me of Mandy, which came out, That was a, it's a Nicolas Cage movie, it came out last year uh, about um, the guy that directed um, 
pa- Panos uh, Cosmatamos. Uh, he's like a Greek filmmaker who made Beyond the Black Rainbow. Okay. So this is his like second movie. It's got Nick Cage in it, and it's like it a, sounds familiar. It's essentially being like on an acid trip. He it's uh it's a it's the most bizarre nightmarish kind of film okay. that you can imagine. But uh, uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, Did, have you so this is one that I watched recently and we talked about it on right. one of my previous episodes uh, because it's it's one that had some decent buzz and the trailer looked really intriguingly weirdly intriguing and it was just so <laughs> I don't know what the what the point of this movie was it was it's called the greasy strangler right I've, I've heard of it but I haven't seen it holy crap I mean that was one my girlfriend got mad at me for. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, baby, you have to watch the bad to appreciate the good. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't call myself a film fan if I don't just watch all these these movies, you know, whether they're good or bad. And I have this horribly sick thing inside of me that I have to finish it once I start it. So it took me like three days. I kept trying to watch it like in bed and I'd fall mm-hmm. asleep. So, <laughs> But it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's real bizarre. Yeah. So the... How did you even get into being interested in doing film, thinking that's like, hey, this is what I want to try to do with my life? Or like, where did that come from? Oh, uh, good question. I've always like watched movies. I've, well, obviously, everyone yeah. is a f- film fan usually, <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I don't know. I think I, I took a film class in college, and um, I mean, m- myself, I have weird taste in movies, uh, just like you. So uh, I think uh, my taste kind of changed. I definitely, I, I don't quite not answer your question jason but uh uh i don't know i i I think that uh i think that i from my memory i had a really bad taste in movies i think when i started college i think i think i watched so so define bad taste Uh oh i don't offend (laughs) i'm gonna offend some of your uh viewers okay so like well Maybe if I go back and I watch some of these movies, I'll actually say, okay, these are good. But, so, uh, so pre-college class, when you when you're you're saying this is the bad taste years, what would have been like top of Ted's list? <laughs> the Boondock Saints. The Boondock Saints. I love that movie. I know. I, it, it, uh, but I think there's a certain type of I don't know. It's like a very uh, I don't know. It's a. Um, I don't know. I don't, Look, there was a period in my life yeah. I watched the Boondock Saints almost every day. Yeah, I mean that was a, that was a time in my life where I was like, oh, the Boondock Saints is the perfect movie. I did a college paper when I was in film school on the editing and how the if no one's ever seen the Boondock mm-hmm. Saints, but how at the beginning the the crimes or the, what the brothers were doing and th- would happen, and then there would be the detective. And as it goes through the movie, they start to get closer and closer. Mm. Like So it starts off where like that happens, then the detective goes. And then it turns into the detective's there, and it would cut from the detective investigating to what was going on, back to the detective, back to what was going on, or what happened. And then it, like towards the end... It turns into like he's investigating the scene while it's all going on, like they're in the same space because, and that was kind of symbolic of him coming over to agreeing what they're doing and then helping them out at the end. So it was really neat how they did that with that. That was my whole paper. Uh, but Boondock Saints was an amazing movie, and it's funny because I see people with the tattoos on their hands yeah, and that's stuff. Thick, no, but uh, I mean, I think Ted, just... you got one of those tattoos. <laughs> hey, listen. <to> me. Yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, just I, I started. A- like in just different types of movies and i think i was just exposed to something and i think that uh i just watched lots and lots of like you know just like foreign films or weird films i think i had a lot of time on my hands and so um yeah it, ch- it changed the way how i saw film and i think that i saw it more from like a like a creative expression 
point of view that a person could like personally express themselves like like an artist i guess and uh i started thinking about myself and the types of work that i wanted to make i guess and uh yeah I, it was just a very i guess a transformative experience okay and then, uh, for some reason, I thought that I had to move to LA to do that. So then I moved to LA, but, and then but I that's did, not yeah. that's not that's yeah. not so out there. That is the the common thought, right? right. New York or LA, one of the mm-hmm. two. Uh, no, and it's interesting you say that because that was kind of like that's one of the things that I love about film and even TV shows now, especially like the the more. Uh, polished and better written shows that you're seeing a lot now mm-hmm. it feels like that tv or at least like with netflix and even some of the the cable stuff is is on is up there with movies and they're able to tell this really deep story because they have so much longer to do it but that was one thing that i've always loved is that the it can elicit an emotion in you right like that you can tell a story that can get an emotional response out of someone and i can do that like put myself in that place mm-hmm. like there's it was one we talked about was like what's the last movie that made you cry right like i i can put myself in there and 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 feel those emotions i feel like pretty well and that's one of the things i love like where it's like man that was really good and i can understand how it was like where that came from and then you watch like the greasy strangler and you don't have any clue what the fuck's going on uh but that's what i what i always loved about it right and i think that's uh uh it's good that you brought that up because i think that maybe what I was trying to mean earlier was, you know, the type of movie like the greasy strangler or, uh, is, is a film that's like so personal. It's just like, that's not, right. that's, that's, that's obviously an independent movie, mm-hmm. even though that word gets thrown around a lot. That's an independent movie in the way that that guy just had an idea. Right. And, and, and it, it somehow, meant something to him. It's his yeah. story somehow. And it, and somehow and it may not resonate find, with everyone. And he found a way to make it. Right. You know what I mean? Not to get, so have not, you, not to get into the business and talk about right. like the money, well, but, but, like, but it's I, there. I, yeah. That's part of it. And I brought up the, the industry in the way that the uh, it's just very corporate. If anyone you know listening has ever worked in a corporate job, it's it's like to dispel any myths about the you know the industry. You're just you know I was reading for example, I'll give you the example for Lifetime. You know we were a company that did business with uh, a, a cable channel. You know so they're they're a buyer, and we just had to pr- provide them with content that they were interested in buying. Right based on what they've bought in the past and it's just moving it's just it's just widgets moving paper right. you know it's a process you'd read scripts you'd do you you would um, analyze them and think that compare them to you know the the future market the past market so, and then like you just made movies they said yes so or no so how many how many lifetime movies that actually got made did Ted Hauser play a part in? oh um <laughs> Is there one that you can be like? I read that script. I approved that one, and it got made. The one, the, the, there's only one thing that I'm uh, proud of, and that was a Hallmark movie called Every Second Counts, which is about horse. Um, it's about rodeo sports, and okay. actually, it's a really interesting story. And this thing got rewritten like twenty freaking times. That's, is is that frustrating too? Yeah. Yes, because it's it's because because um, it's not, what you read it originally doesn't end up being what it. Yeah, but also the fact that rewrites are following um, the most, like, impulsive notes. So, like, you know, you know, when you're making a movie and you're very close to getting the movie made, uh, because it's so difficult to achieve success in the industry, people kind of get desperate. And I think this might explain how, like, total fiascos happen, like that John Carter movie from, like, five years ago uh, of... Yeah. You're, you're right. You're getting up to the finish line, right? And you and you need if you're the writer or the director or whoever, you just want to get to right. the point where they say yes and they transfer the money and then it then it actually happens. So and I bet you John Carter was like more like ten years ago, but oh, that's right. <laughs> but uh, uh, 
Time anyway, flies. so just with with it was originally called Fast Time. Uh, <clears throat> it was just about rodeo sports. So it's it's about a um, kind of like a like a fifteen year old girl whose dad was a big kind of rodeo sport. So this is like um, like penning calves. Like so, okay. it's like a, it's rodeo sports. There's a bunch of different ones. Yeah, this is not riding a bucking bronco. This right. isn't like yeah. uh, that thing. This is more like you're on a horse, and what you need to do is you need to like pen calves. So they let out these like wild like cows or cows, something yeah. and they're running around this big pen and you and there's a way to like catch them and then put them in right the pen. steer them in yep. steer them in and you have to do there's like five of them and and uh you have to get the best the fastest time and actually this is a you have to this movie explored that whole world and it was really interesting because there's like cash prizes you right. can be professional like yeah. you can rise your way up and so basically this is like this but the father was like injured so he can't run so he's like living vicariously through his, through his teenage daughter. daughter and his teenage daughter is so good she competes at the adult level even though she she's you know right. she's won all the youth you know league you know uh so now she's like at this elite level and she has to choose does she want to does she want to have like a, a life you a know life, go to prom or do this right or do this and she's like the best and, and, and she's and, got the pressure from her dad because he's living through yeah. her and like the family doesn't make a lot of money because the dad essentially like is a coach to right. his athlete daughter and it just it's, so it's basically like a youth sports movie with this like heart and it was like really really good uh it's just like a really good story and i just wanted them to like find uh a creative direction for it because there was like one draft of the script where it's like oh she's aspiring to go to college and she wants to be a veterinarian and all this stuff because they had to give her like a future right you know and i'm like and then it's like well then that's not like a sports movie and every time there's this which which direction are we going to take and it kept on getting rewritten and rewritten finally they ended up making it which was good because a lot of the stuff i worked on just never got made you can see it it's it's available you can get a dvd okay. it was like pretty well done um, shot in Colorado. Thankfully, they didn't right. shoot in Toronto because I was like, guys, we can't, we can't shoot this. This is, yeah, like the family has to live in the West, in right? The West, okay. you, you, they can't, you can't shoot this in Toronto, wow. you know. And there's like, where are there mountains in Toronto? You can go yeah. to like Vancouver, but right? I don't know. So thankfully, they, they didn't shoot it in Canada. Uh, but um, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun little movie. Um, Sounds like something that'd be right at my daughter's alley. She loves like Flicka and all these horse movies. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's cool. So that mm-hmm. was uh, that had to be an interesting experience because I know that's one thing. Like I and recently we've seen it more in the news, right? Like where directors like that wasn't my vision. Like they right. that was not the movie that I directed that ended up getting put out. Like there always does feel that. And as far as like the corporate part, I think that that is more prevalent or known now than it maybe it used to be because what we're seeing a lot now is just a regurgitation of different properties. Now look, I'm there's some movies I wouldn't mind if they like continued the story, right? But like Gremlins, I'm personally uh I would love to see Gremlins continued. Not rebooted. I'm okay. I'm not a fan of the reboots. Um but just continued on, right? Uh if there's no, there's some some classic movies that don't need to be rebooted. The, yeah, we have better technology now; we can make it look prettier. But that was part of like the magic, right? Is like you're able to do a convincing yeah. story using the technology you had at the time. And some of it doesn't date very well, but oh well, that's just what it was. Uh, so I don't feel like there's a need to do that. Like, why reintroduce this story when you could just say like, "Hey, younger generation." go explore the older, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy. It'd be like someone ma- remaking, like, Casablanca or something like that, like, or Gone with the Wind, like, these classic movies. No mm-hmm. one's going to remake those. They might use the same plot lines right. in a different format, but they're not going to remake it, rename it, put it out. That would be almost, like, sacrilegious, right? But I think there's too much of that now where we're seeing these 
these movies just constantly being churned out. Disney's live action everything. Like, that was cool. Like, I used to love the Disney animation movies. And now they're just like, oh, we're going to live action them all. And, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that Aladdin thing was like, yeah, the, the <clears throat> yeah. Aladdin trailer came out a couple weeks ago. And I was just like, you, you literally just did a shot-for-shot shot remake of the animated film. Right. Like, literally. And I'm like, wow. But, um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. I mean, and I, uh, despite the fact that I, like, watch a lot of independent films for work now, uh, and uh, I watch, like, a lot of movies, uh, I still like popular entertainment stuff. I, I, I can yeah. still get, I can still get captured by, uh a big dumb action movie if it's if it's if it's fun and exciting right. you know are you, so are you so are you able to do that like with the the experience that you've had in the industry and then doing the independence and you're looking at those movies from the the prospect more of like what's the story being told here right are you able to to turn your mind off and just watch that mindless summer blockbuster and just enjoy like escaping your life for two hours three hours four hours however long they are now like so, one that I always I always brought up was like the the Transformer movies, like the the original, you know, with Shia LaBeouf, and like even the, the first like trilogy. I wasn't expecting Oscar caliber anything out of those movies, and to see how they got like torn apart, or even Baywatch, like that the Baywatch movie with The Rock. I don't know if you've had the chance to see it. It's stupidly funny, and like the opening scene is. <laughs> The opening scene, The Rock carries a dude out of the water, and he's walking up out of the water, and then, like, Baywatch comes out of the water, and dolphins are, like, crisscross jumping, and st- like, totally tongue-in-cheek, knows it's not taking itself seriously, but that movie got destroyed critically, like, oh, this is just all a bunch of dick jokes, which it was, but it was funny, and it was not, like, meant to be something serious, and it, that's one of the issues that I have lately is it it doesn't seem like people are able to like take it what it is like Mm. that was meant to just give you a chuckle it wasn't a serious movie not everything's got to be looked in the from like such a critical point where it's like is this going to make it you know is this going to win awards or because some of them aren't made for that some of them are made just to be make some cash be funny while other ones have more telling stories yeah uh yeah, I can, I can, I can uh, fall into a movie, and it can uh, trick me, and, and you know, kind of like bring me in, so to speak. Uh, that definitely can happen. I mean, I definitely also on the other side of things can be distracted by a movie. I think that if it, I, I, I'm trying to think, man. if it, if the movie is really pandering, like you know what I mean, I think that that will take me out. Um, like right as I was leaving the industry, YA was coming, becoming like super popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I remember watching, <clears throat> I was watching once like. In a hotel room, I watched um, the the Greek gods YA novel, uh, Lightning oh. Thief, Percy Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson, and, and the, yeah, and I I was watching this, and it was like for some reason I could I could tell that was the moment where I could just see like the whole like industry side of it because it's preposterously like low budgeted. Mm-hmm. I was like watching this thing, and it just felt like like community theater uh, and then also like that it just was like this is just like hogwarts like this mm-hmm. is like the, yeah. this is for me I, when i was watching it it was like oh and then you're percy jackson you're the son of so-and-so and you've got superpowers now we got to send you off to the school where you're going to learn and it, to me it was just like oh you you, you literally just copied a, a process you know and i know yeah. it's based on books and stuff and some people say the books are better i right? but um if something seems to be like just like kind of cashing in on something especially because of my experience, then it just takes me out of it because it's just, 
I can just kind of see the seams of the art. But yeah, I mean, I I can I can fall into <clears throat> fall in love with something really big and dumb. My guilty pleasure is the Fast and Furious series, which <laughs> Who is would have thought. <laughs> and it's just the it, I mean that is it's it's I mean that to me is like tongue in cheek when they're driving cars through skyscrapers yeah, and they're landing in another skyscraper. It's, it's just mindless <laughs> summer entertainment. Because if, if you if you do it well, right? Right. It, I mean, it, come on. They're, they're like secret agent street racers. I mean, at this point, right? Like, who would have thought? Like, that's one of the like yeah, the craziest they're ones. They're stopping, like, yes. They're literally, like, stopping, uh, uh, like, international, like, break-off, like, governments. Right. Like, I mean, from, they're, like, like, who would, wait, wait, they're parachuting something. out of cars or out of planes <laughs> in their cars. Like, it, it is preposterous. And the CIA is like, shit, you need to get us like street racers. You know, like, oh man, when all else fails, we need the street racers. And I, yeah, but I think it's like, but the 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 quality of filmmaking that they put into them, oh, you know, for sure. is really high. So I, I can res- I can totally respect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like I'm like. No, it's cool. So back to so uh, like. So with the guilty pleasure, so what would you say, uh, and especially like with what you're talking about, like as far as the the corporateness of things, what do you think could change then for the better? Because we see that all the time, right? Like the YA thing. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, it was like a YA explosion, young adult. Uh, for those who don't understand YA, young adult. So we're talking uh, that was, and what do you think kicked that off? Do you think it, it was, was Harry, Harry Potter? I think it was Harry Potter. So, so I think, that, so let me break it down from like, my in, oh, in, oh, I'm doing shit. air Here quotes, we go. Okay. industry insider. So the the whole point of, of what YA and what YA was, or at least what the people in the industry think was why it was su- successful is because it uh, created this, it was a totally like a child fa- childhood fantasy. Uh, uh, so like a, an important part of that story is like there can't be adults around. Right. You remember Harry Potter leaves his adults to go to Hogwarts and like right. Hogwarts is like a school for kids, right? So it's like kids are running around. The kids have taken over the asylum. Um, so <laughs> kids that's, have taken over the asylum. But it's written in a way that like both both uh, uh, kids and adults can kind of take part right. in this like fun fantasy. So it has to be like a fun fantasy sure. uh, and there has to be like uh, uh, romantic uh, uh, hookups. So there's yep. like two people have to like be in love or like they're going to be you know pushed apart. The cliche is there. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So essentially there's all of these contrivances and the contrivance has to be about like like this, this fantasy of being a teenager without parents anymore, because like you, put, this is the age where you begin to like hate your parents. Right. Uh, you have a magic power, right? So there has to be something magic and special about you, because you're this kid who just spends all his time in his or his or her room reading books and right. stuff. So it's just this, this really like fantasy like thing. Um, and I mean, even if you look at like uh, the like the violent dystopic YA with Hunger Games, like right. they're Hunger taking, Games, they're taken he? away from their parents, net right, right. Mm-hmm. So it's, yep. you know, that's like a super important part is yep. that they be taken away. And and the main character, like there was something special about her, right? I mean, right. She, she could shoot a bow really. She's good. the best, right? Yeah. She's the best. <clears throat> she stands up against right everything. There's there's so there's always that like so the, when I mentioned before Hogwarts mm-hmm. that was just like a euphemism so everything right. there, there has to be like the fun way where, where it's just it's like a boarding school for like cool for like cool nerdy kids, um, yeah so that to me when that got super successful it just became like a formula and right. everything just had to abide by that formula it didn't have to be good and I think well I, I, like in my opinion that Percy Jackson movie because I just watched I just watched like, a lot of movies was like the worst. <laughs> was like the worst like uh, example of that because I literally think they didn't care. And I mean, honestly, watching that because they had some fight scenes and it's just like, it's like a community theater fight yeah. scene. And, and to me, I was like, watching this thing and it's like, I mean, 
just just my knowledge of like the industry, I felt like they just like ran through this so quickly because they're trying they, to get it out. Yeah, because because the director like didn't do anything. They're just like, can can you turn this in for twenty million? Well, well, you know, doesn't that isn't that what it turns into? It's like, hey, this is what's hot right now. We got to cash in while it's still hot because it does. Right. It goes through periods of different things, like the YA thing. What was the other one? Um, uh, God, with Shailene Woodley, whatever her name is, the Insurgent. Uh, Insurgent Divergent. The Divergent series. Mm -hmm. I mean, that one died. It was supposed to turn into a TV show at one point because they were like, yeah, we're just not going to make the last one because they missed the wave. Like, they they started, and then it wasn't doing as good as Hunger Games, which was, I mean, they were similar stories. And then, oh, I hit a heart, and it's making noise. Uh and then, yeah, I mean, like it just kind of fizzles out. I mean, they finished the um, the Maze Runner one. They they finished that one up at least. Right. Uh, but it is it goes to those tropes, and it's funny because it's almost like the the pairs, right? Mm. So um, <clears throat> what was it? In Deep Impact and Armageddon. and Armageddon and Volcano and Dante's Peak, and like you get these like in pairs. Where it's like, oh man, this is what's hot right now, and the YA thing just kind of took off like crazy because you had like the mystical YA, then you had the dystopian stuff, and zombies are like was like a huge thing for a little bit, and it's it is interesting. Do you think that's is that all it is? Is just a cash grab to try to like cash in on those things, or yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I'm not the expert to talk about industry now trends, with superheroes, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah everything's gonna run by trends a lot more corporate than how things were done before everything's like intellectual property or ip yeah uh you can probably listen to maybe other podcasts that have guests who are better than me <laughs> more, more experienced <laughs> than me but yeah so the, the general trend is going to be um it's going to be away from like original work because uh hollywood doesn't really and again i'm not the expert on this but they're not really buying original scripts anymore if you remember back maybe to the 80s and 90s like every movie was, its it was own, something different right? yeah it, it was just its own original idea and like literally that started because there was a guy at a typewriter who just right. came up with an original idea and explored it and then ended like beginning right. middle end he wrote and, it. But and now it's like sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel. Because I mean, the corporation <clears throat> owns it. So now it's like right. corporate owned intellectual property. So if they, they so if they they buy comic book franchises, they buy yep. uh they buy books that have like book series and what they try to do is so everything has to deliver. So it's not about it's just what their corporate model is now. It's not about making one movie. And selling that, it's about making a series of movies. Are you going to have toys? Right. Are you going to have you know, oh, TV spinoff? Oh, it's the whole marketing yeah. machine, yeah. I mean, there's a big thing like, uh, you know, if you really want to get insidery into Hollywood, and maybe I'll tell this anecdote and we can move on. Uh, but uh, so like the Lego movie, um, and, and this is just what I read. I, I, I could be wrong about movie. this. I love the Lego movie, and, but the big thing about releasing the Lego movie overseas and in China is that Chinese kids don't play with Legos. Now, Chinese kids play, play with Legos, Legos, right? Open because up a if, whole new market. Yeah, because if you just put these toys in, in China, they're like, what the fuck is this? Right. You got the little thing on his head, you know, you stick it. <laughs> it. They don't understand it, right? Now, now they got it. They got it. So uh, it's, yes. So not okay. to get super cynical, but uh, that's why I, and that's why I kind of left. Uh, I mean, everyone has their own reasons, but I thought that. It's it's a business. At the end of the yeah. day, though, that part is a business, and I understand that. I always did appreciate when the bigger companies would have like those sub companies that would focus on more of those. So, like Fox Searchlight used to do it. I don't know if they're still as active. What well, was Miramax? One of them that kind of went off and, and did like the weirder. Well, yeah, Miramax stuff. owned by Disney. Right, Fox Searchlight. So it was like they always had these like little smaller companies that would actually go produce those ones and right. the less safe things well yeah so this is another 
interesting observation. Despite the fact that everything is super like corporate now, content is like better than ever. I mean, actually, if you think about it, like just what's There's available been some to great you, it's stuff incre- released, and even stuff that's on going to be on Netflix or even stuff that's going to be even like theatrical stuff because like theatrical is kind of dying because people are staying at home with netflix and streaming but there's there's amazing stuff that's getting released oh, today for sure so like it, it, you know for all of the people who complain on the internet you know like uh corporations are taking over it's incredible what what people what what's what's getting out there um so what do you think would be like uh an example of like some i don't know name like five if you can quality movies that you feel in this current climate of, of the corporateness that have and i did air quotes but they were like under the table corporateness um <clears throat> that you think are like really high quality movies that have made it to theatrical release and okay so i would say that uh there's a, a filmmaker named jeremy saunier he made green room okay. and blue ruin like blue ruin is kind of a, a little infamous film from the independent film he scene. also did hold the dark right he did he just came out with so hold the dark on netflix you know what's really funny that you just mentioned that guy yeah. i have played video games for 10 years with a very close friend of him. Oh, wow. He's been in some of those movies. Oh, wow. Because he, so he did, he, he's actually, he did before they did Murder Party. Yep, so Murder this, Party. He was, a guy in, he was from, in Murder Party too. This is, this is a guy who made movies. Like, <clears throat> Murder Party is a great, I think it's on Netflix streaming. It's like, really? Yeah. I think it's like $10,000, but a tiny, yeah. tiny budget. And it's, absolutely ridiculous he said those guys have been doing that what's what's the other one mason or macon making yeah yeah he's part of that whole group of friends the my the guy that i play games with he's like they've been doing that for years and finally it's paying off but you should really check out uh to those listening uh blue ruin um blue ruin was good it's an amazing film and it's made for about forty thousand dollars because the point of the uh the movie is very, very simple. It's a very, very simple movie. Yep. It's a very dark and violent movie, yes. if that's your thing. It's about a revenge mission that goes awry and turns into a nightmare for mm-hmm. all those involved. And it grip, it totally grabs you. And yeah. and to think that this one dude from, like, Virginia, yep. or like, Connecticut, yeah. he's not from Hollywood, doesn't have a lot of connections, was able to find a small investment, $40,000. Unfortunately, in, right. the, in the film world, $40,000 yeah, is considered very small. a small investment. Yeah. And he made that movie. Yeah. And a lot of low-budget, because I work with low-budget filmmakers yep. a lot, a lot of people have used that as like the new, kind of that's the new clerks of right. this era, which is this guy found $40,000 and you are on the edge of your seat. And like, I, sh- I mentioned it to a friend of mine and he said, that movie's creepy. I didn't like it creeped me out and i'm like no that, that's that's the point, point. Like, with it, it, 10 minutes into this movie it like sticks <clears throat> its finger into your rib and it and it doesn't like let go yeah, and no. you are like you it's 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 a, and that's what's great about it is that i think if you can do that mm-hmm. i like green room too green room was a very intense movie uh, I, I, I talk about a fucking awkward situation to be in like just the, the club that they played in uh, go see Green Room too, because it, it was it was a very intense movie. The way things happened again, another violent one. You'll see some familiar faces, right? Uh, uh, what what else? I'm trying to think of. Um, there was a uh, a film called uh, This Is Martin Bonner. Um, Don't think I've seen that. One. Chad Hardigan is the filmmaker. He made another film called Morris from America, but uh, This Is Martin Bonner was very cheap, um, and it's a very simple film about like. Um, just a dude in Reno who is like a um, like a lapsed Catholic who helps uh, an ex-con like rehabilitate to society. But it's a very simple film, and it makes you it makes you cry at the end. Yeah, uh, these are all from this trying to think of like very small budget films, but the filmmakers kind of use this small thing and they kind of like launch 
to like a larger career. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. There's I'll there's, get back to there's you quite on. a few. So like one of the 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 ones that I've liked, I, I like mm-hmm. the writer, and he did all, all three. Was like Sicario, Hell or High Water, and and yeah. um, what was the last one? God, I can't remember now. With Jeremy Renner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The sniper movie. Um, yeah. God, why? Taylor uh, Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan. God, what is, what is I can't remember what the movie is right now. Right. What, no. I can't remember now. Yeah. Anyway, he, the, that writer, I really like the writing in those. Like, Hell or High Water is funny. My girlfriend really likes Sicario, and she watched mm-hmm. that one over and over again, and she really liked the the one that was with the Native Americans in the in the winter. Right. Um, but Hell or High Water, she wouldn't even give it a chance. And I was like, man, I, it was it was so good. But so, like, that's, yeah, it was a bigger budget, obviously. But that was, to me, was like, okay, at least, like, there's still some emphasis on a good story over just the big overblown budget. Moonlight was a great movie, too. Uh, and and I've talked to people where they could, they could relate to that movie, mm-hmm. the three different periods that were told there. Um, and again, like, that's not a traditional big movie and yeah it was like one of the awards darlings but it was a really good story and it had really good production value so and thank you for mentioning sicario like i think that's a good example because that that filmmaker uh denis villeneuve he um he's french canadian and he and a lot of his movies are great i think he did arrival yeah Uh, yeah so every every movie he makes is like very unique and he found a way in this current climate so of crazy corporate filmmaking to make interesting stuff and uh, now I thought, oh, uh, if you saw it from this past year, Hereditary. Yes. Which is a movie that, that just twists your stomach into a knot. And, like, that guy made, you know, that guy, he was just a dude who yep. had a script. And he found a way to be, to find the that money That one went it. over. I watched that with my son and my mom. And it went over their heads. Like, the very end part, they're like, what? And I was like, ah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, the, the king of hell, man. Yeah. No, it was, that was one of those. See, like, I like the, where it doesn't rely on the jump scares. I mean, that car scene, though, fuck. Fuck. That I was not prepared for. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, and again, like, we were talking about earlier of, like, a movie you're watching and you don't know what's coming next. Yeah. That's a movie where you go, what? no spoilers but about half hour into the movie you go well what is this movie going to be now mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yeah you know because well, like, you're like what it's the a, way it's like a hard reboot yeah uh, after like punching you in the stomach for sure um there's a british film called kill list yes i've seen kill list yeah kill list that director was supposed to kind of be a big deal and then he just fizzled out I think. that was that was a topic i was just going to bring up but keep going so but, yeah, but i think kill list is a movie <clears> that you have no idea it's not for everyone but it's like a horror t- you know it's, yeah. a, it's a horror movie it's a where, slower movie too it's, it's a, very, a slow burn but you have but what i like about it is that um and it's also low budget yes uh, very so again if for if you're a low budget filmmaker and you're looking for something see see blue ruin and see kill list actually those two movies i feel like are very yeah. similar and that you don't know in Kill List what's going to happen next. It's two. Yep. It's two hitmen who live in the suburbs. You know, yeah. they, like, they, they're tasked with a. Was it like a list of those? Yeah, they, like they a, few, a, a kill, list of people. But, and, but like, it's a total twist at the end. <laughs> you, and you don't know what's coming for them, and clearly things are not what they seem. Uh, but um, and where it goes, it just it goes yeah. in its own direction. It just wants to go in its own direction yep. it's not going to be satisfying you know it's not going to be like oh and this is the second act and this is yeah the, you know and then he saves it, it the girl. doesn't follow like the normal structure like the normal story arc um like the hero's journey mm-hmm. <clears throat> for sure so that was my question i was going to say so what obviously being like a, a low budget or an independent mm-hmm. filmmaker and you find that success right 
how often or do you see so like M Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. will be a great example of someone that was like, oh, this guy's making great stuff, and then just <laughs> right. So like you said, Kill List. Oh, he was supposed to be this up and comer, and then just kind of fizzled. Like, how easy do you think it is for that to happen, where they? make their name on certain styles and then they become part of that Hollywood machine where maybe now they're not making those things as personal projects as they started off doing. And it does kind of spiral out of control. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> Cause Shyamalan's probably the, the biggest known example at this point. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of amazed by that. By, I don't know. And then he, he almost he, kind of makes a re- a comeback and then it's kind of like, ah. are you, I, 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 yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's, I don't know. I don't want to make any judgments, but I'll, I'll spill the tea. Uh, I think I think he just likes money. I don't know. I don't know. I think he just re- he just really likes money. Uh, yeah, he continues to make like Hollywood work. Uh, you know, he could he could he could kind of do whatever he wants. Uh, I, I I don't know. I seriously, I'm baffled by his decisions. Like especially with his big investment into Avatar. Yeah, uh, the Last Airbender. Uh, you know, he you know he could kind of do whatever he wants, and he starts rushing towards like what's trendy. You know, and then of course. He makes like a really bad movie that he put. That, by the way, he put his name all over. If you look at the marketing of that film, it literally mm-hmm. says like "written for the screen, produced, yeah. directed," and he puts his name all over it. And then it, fine. Well, hey, do you, do you, you think though, that, that that becomes an issue when you try to wear too many hats? Mm, maybe, uh, for, maybe for a smaller film, yes. I don't think that. Uh, I don't. I think that. I think that. Uh, I think that Shyamalan shouldn't have. I don't know. I. Uh, <laughs> I mean, first off is that I think M. Night Shyamalan also is a brand. So his, For sure. so his, so if, you know, if you're listening and you're maybe a casual movie goer, the fact that you know the directors is very intentional. Right. They're trying to brand themselves. You know, just like how everything is kind of very blatant nowadays with like Instagram influencers yeah. and stuff. So he's kind of like a director, but also a bit of an influencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could, I mean, but I, in my opinion, his brand is kind of burned out. But at the same, like he could do whatever he wants and he chooses to make these types of films and the fact that all his films are now part of the same canon I, what's yeah. what's the point well, of i don't I, well, I mean maybe listen and i don't want to everyone knock wants it. to do a i don't uh, want to knock it if you uh, a joined universe right if you if you like these movies i don't want to knock it like because no cause you, some of them were good some of them are really good and i think that I, here i'll put it this way it's like i don't think that he's untalented i'm just very perplexed by the choices he makes uh because he could i don't know I'm, so like the thing that like the thing that originally besides uh unbreakable but like with like um the sixth sense he had the twist right and that started becoming his thing like the twist every movie was like all right where's the twist do you think like sometimes filmmakers directors writers get caught in that like what worked from the first time then they just keep trying to do it and then it starts to be like yeah we know there's a twist coming yeah i think that but i think that's true for like almost all artists there's a uh, great quote um I don't know where it came from, but it said that, like, um, you know, eventually, like, all artists become, like, a parody of themselves. Uh, I think there's, uh, for me, the, that that's most seen in uh, Wes Anderson and the fact that, so he, he does these movies and they're just, they're just so, like, overly quirky. designed. Yeah, they're quirky, but, like, just look at the, the costume, the color, yeah. like, the paint on the walls. Yeah. He has to complement the costume. Literally everything. It's like, you know, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like, a, you know, it's, it's like, like hyper. A, yeah, it's like, it's like a painting. Everything is, like, yeah. so well, like design and it's hyper hyper design uh and i think that the problem was is that that's like the artifice and he got more focused on that than he got focused on the story telling a story right. making interesting characters because he has to be 
the guy that has the quirky movies. Right. So all of his, like, all of the periphery things become more important and all the fundamental things fall to the wayside. I think he's made some amazing films, but there's definitely a time when I watch it and I go, I think, um, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to. You know, like you, oh, that's a Wes Anderson movie. Like, exactly. You, you know because of the style. So for him, it's more important that it looks a certain way than it is like a good movie. And I would say it's like, well, you know, I, I, well, I mean, hey, he, he does his own thing uh, and I don't want to criticize that. But for me, that's to answer your question. It's like it, it happens a lot. I remember you, you probably have your favorite band that they put out their debut album and it's amazing. And someone explained it to me. I think they, they interviewed like the XX. Remember that band from like the 2000s? They're like a hipster. Indie, they're like an indie hipster band. I think they're okay. from New Zealand or England. And they had this amazing album. And it's just, it's a guy and a girl. And they're almost like murmuring on the track. Playing their guitars. <laughs> okay. And, nope. Yeah. Don't remember that one. Uh, but anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and you, you, if you probably listened to their songs, it would be, it's, they put it in trailers. They were kind okay. of like a hot thing. And they were young. They were like 17 right. uh, when they got big. And they put out an album. The second album was just, the exact same thing as the first album, which happens to a lot of bands. Right. And, it, and they answer well, because it worked. Let's let. And they don't know what worked because they just they they just went into the studio right. and they played some songs. They don't know what in the song hit with audiences. They just did this this thing, right? They they were just the XX this band. Right. And so I kind of feel like you don't know how to like self analyze yourself. Like you don't know what part of your brand or your artistic process is successful. So you just copy that and then you turn into this parody of yourself. And, and I think like that's, I think that could be a couple different things, right? So <clears throat> a lot of bands, yes, they get caught in that cycle. I think it's kind of a twofold scenario. They get caught in that cycle because it worked and that's what the fans expect. Because I've also seen bands not put out, try to grow and do something different and they're, fan base like pan them for it oh where is this i'm looking for that it's like cool that was last album this is where we're going now actually i give a lot of respect lincoln park put out an album um i want to say it's a thousand sons uh in like in the booklet because i still will some some artists i'll go buy the actual cd so i can get Mm -hmm. the booklet and everything but it was literally like we didn't make this for you we made this for us this is where we wanted to go if you don't like it Oh, well, if you like it, awesome. Like that was, and that's, it's as it was kind of refreshing at the time. It was a different, there was, there was a lot of filler tracks that were just noises or things like to elicit an emotion, but it was, and there was a lot of, uh, God, I can't remember what his name was. Um, there, there was a lot of quotes about, um, God, what was it? The, the guy that considered the father of the nuclear bomb, uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah, or something Oppenheimer. Like that. yeah. Yep. Like a lot of his quotes were there. Oh, like they took dialogue and stuff. It was really, really good, actually. I liked it a lot, but there was a lot of respect that I gave them for that because they went in a different direction. It, there was a message they were trying to relay. They didn't get the best praise from their audience, but it, it was like, this is where we're going. And I think there are artists that are fr- afraid to take that step afraid to grow like that because of that they're going to lose those album sales and then also once you start making it big i mean it's a little different nowadays because you can self-release a lot of stuff but with movies like that wide release you want that distribution that's a lot harder i feel like you you start getting caught up in that machine right that hey this is we need to see this kind of thing this is what you do this is what you've done to to make sure that it's going to be profitable right and uh you got and for most of the entertainment industry, unless you're working with like a major record label or you're working with um, a studio, like you're not really getting paid that much. Right. You know, we earlier just talked about Blue Ruin. You know, 
I I know this because I put budgets together for indie films. When you're when you have forty thousand dollars, the director doesn't get paid. Right. <laughs> you know, like the director doesn't get a salary at a forty thousand dollar movie. Uh, you're making and, sure everybody else is paid. Yeah, That's you're p- paying the crew guys who are right. setting up the lights, the cameraman. You're paying for you know a lunch and then licenses like, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, yeah, so if you if you want to actually get paid, you know, like to get to actually get compensated, you know, because hey, when you're fifty, you know, sixty, seventy, you're not gonna you might not be the Rolling Stones. You know, you need a little bit of a nest egg to retire on. Like you have to work through the corporate side of things because that's that's because it, you know you have to have your album has to be released in, you know in all 50 well we're no longer in you know sam goody days but like if your right. movie like your movie has to be released <laughs> wide release in order right. to get paid anything anything that's really like, the, the proper compensation but i did like your example of lincoln park because their first album was it what was it called was hybrid it, theory hybrid theory it was on the tip of my tongue that sold for this is back in the day. So like we're dating ourselves. Uh, <laughs> we were just off mic. We were talking about our, our upcoming twentieth high school reunion. Yeah. Uh, but uh, oh my god, how did we get this old, Jason? I don't know. But to the younger viewers, that album sold. And this is back in the days when an album would be on the charts for weeks and weeks. Right. That and might actually have been, in stores. That that album might have that album charted with new sales for like a year yeah i remember yeah and that so i think that like i don't know if anyone from the 2000s had a more success i mean a rock band from the 2000s had a more successful debut uh than lincoln park so like there's that pressure right so it's like i'm sure for their first five or so years they just toured and made a, a, a ton of money. Oh yeah, I mean there was just there was, that one sound. There was SNL skits about Lincoln Park concerts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're literally part of the culture. So then, right. like all of a sudden, you go to these millions of people around the world. It's like, oh, we're going to slightly do things differently. Like, no, like you could do the, the very comfortable track, and I, oh, I'm sure, sure there's a lot of pressure that way, you know, in that yep. direction. So, and then, then not the, just pressure from the fans, but pressure from your producers, from your distributors, yeah. from whoever is behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. There's that pressure there, for yeah. sure. But so, uh, getting back to more like independent work. Yeah, uh, actually, I, I wanted to. I wanted so I was going to segue or, or flip it real yeah. quick. Uh, change gears. Your experiences. How so? You put out. Right. You've worked on a couple passion projects, right? Yes. Um, how how'd that go? How'd that come about? What were the the struggles that you went through? Like, what was that process like? Right. So uh, after uh, after working in the industry for a couple of years, uh, I was like just very frustrated, creatively frustrated, which just happens to everyone, mm-hmm. you know. And then you could be working at just a regular nine to five job uh, and get creatively frustrated. And I had some friends who uh, uh, stayed in Michigan, so I was, I was born here in Michigan, I was raised here. I had some friends who made independent films in Michigan, you know, outside of the industry, they were quite successful. So, um, I moved back with the intent of being an independent filmmaker. I had, I had this vision. And so I've made three shorts that we had a real crew on. We, you know, we wrote, directed, I'm working on a feature right now. Are they out anywhere? Uh, Is there any way anyone can see them? Yeah, I can. I have some of them. Yes. Yes. They're, they're online. I'll, I'll provide you guys with the, with the links. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I mean, it's. I'm now working as like an artist. Uh, thankfully, I just started this job, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast of uh, the Cinetopia Film Festival. But really, that work is kind of few and far between for creatives yeah. that are out working outside of New York and LA. And I've done gig economy work, creative work, uh, freelance work. That's definitely a struggle. Uh, but you know, what I want to do is keep my time open. You know, that's the thing that a lot of creatives do. 
uh, it's definitely a dilemma that I went through over these last couple of years over like, do I get the nine to five job or do I stay freelance? Because the freelance job that I, I left when I came aboard this, this Utopia, which by the way is a, uh, is a nine to five job. So essentially I'm being an event coordinator okay. and a film programmer, you know, just, so I'm basically coordinating an event, which is, you know, a real career for other right. people. Um, before I started that job, uh, I was doing, uh, real estate photography so I know, Jason, you put out that book <laughs> of these crazy stories of being a d- delivery, delivery driver. driver yeah. I, what I, the truck. Yeah, what the truck. I, and <laughs> it, it immediately made me think about my experiences of going into other people's homes and taking pictures. Um, it's and- atrocious. Like, for from my experience, you know someone's coming to your house to bring i was delivering like appliances or basically anything you would buy at that store Mm -hmm. i was delivering to your house if you wanted it delivered and there was so many times where i would come into a house with like your big ass appliance and there's like no way through your house because it's just so much shit everywhere and it's like come on are you serious like you know that we're coming we're gonna have to get into this room and you're not gonna clear the way i've had to tell people no let us know when it's cleaned up and then we'll come back because we can't get it through all this and it's not my job to move all your stuff around they probably expected you're gonna clean right Oh, Jason, you can come over to my house and clean my house, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been to legit hoarder houses, for sure. Like, legit. Yeah. I've been to some pretty scary ones. I've been to mm-hmm. ones where uh, it, it was just bad. It was real bad. One, this I don't know how this guy let his mom live that way, but I was like, I got kind of furious. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, I get requests. I used to get requests like, uh, so you're going to Photoshop this out, right? I'm like, <laughs> you mean... <laughs> You mean this entire wall of hoarder shit over here? You know, like the TV guides back from 1977. I'm just gonna. Oh yeah, you know. Oh right, in Photoshop. They just added yeah, a feature. Button. Yeah, there's a button yeah, there. It's called uh, hoarder. Get rid of. Uh, just yeah. I mean, I and then there's uh, yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of requests. You know, people really? trying to make a lot of money off their homes, so like they're well, very well, very nervous. Sure. And then then there's the then there was a house with a bunch of haunted German dolls. Uh, that were uh, yeah. There was this, a uh, a room that I like legit in. haunted or just look like they should have been haunted. I went into a house where um, t- so typically it, it, you know for you in the audience, uh, uh, real estate photographer. It's very simple. I show up uh, with my photo gear. Uh, the realtor is there to kind of walk me through the house. Maybe they have some requests, but it's right. pretty basic. You know, they you know, their requests show that. You know, <laughs> oh really the. <laughs> The living room, just yeah, yes, I'll show the living room. Uh, 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 but you know, people, you know, they're kind of like watching over my shoulder, you know, making sure I'm trying to do a good job. And you, you just take pictures of every home, right? Um, and then it's it's quite simple. Occasionally, uh, uh, what's great is they just give you the lockbox. You go in, perfect. You know, I don't have to deal with anyone, right? Uh, uh, but most of the time, you're it's guided. I show up at one house, very large house. I think about Bloomfield Hills, kind of area. The realtor says, "Great, you're here." This is the homeowner, and then leaves, which is okay. And this, the homeowner is a very, very old German lady, like 80, 90 years old. She goes, okay, you know, she's speaking with a thick accent. She's like, this is my home. Everything's like immaculate. She's like, I need to go to the store. I'm going to leave, and leaves. And that's also weird because I, I, you know, it just. Hi, stranger you've never met. Right. Leave me alone in your house. Right. And uh, they said, I'll be back in 20 minutes. I'll be back before you leave. And so I start taking pictures, and they go into one of the bedrooms, and the, and the, and the bed is filled with these scary dolls that all have red eyes. What? They all have red eyes. I'll show you pictures. <laughs> they have red eyes. Okay. And now I had to... Now, this is this is like bizarre. This is very... First off, is, is that 
you know, I watch movies. The first thing I think of, House of the Devil. Yeah, you're right. right. Of, this is House of the Devil. I'm being trapped in this house. This is. I'm, they're going to take my body. I'm a young. Look at look at how. I'm an attractive young man. They're going to stick, put their spirit into my body and push me out. I, this is it, right? That's that's one of the the negatives of being a film fan and watching so many movies. I do the same thing too. Like I'm always like, so this is the part when something's going to happen. <laughs> I had to. I, actually, I literally had to like put put my camera gear down and like Google the like. Is this normal? Did somebody paint their eyes red? And I and, and I found out that uh, it's a, actually a natural aging process. We have these like really? sixty year old dolls. Sorry, I didn't. They mean to naturally, their eyes just naturally become possessed. So they're, they're these they're these dolls called the Gutz dolls. Uh, they're like they're kind of the American girl dolls of Germany. They're like these really? very famous. They're probably worth like a lot of money. They collector items, and they uh, they're handmade because they're it's. Right. They're super expensive and they're German, and so to make the blue because they're blue, of course, it has to be blue eyes, right? They have the most, <laughs> oh they have the God. most, they have the most like bluest of blue eyes, right? But it's actually uh, uh, layers of paint, so they right. put this like light pink because uh, uh, the blue will actually shine better if there's something behind it to really? kind of reflect. So it's like these like very thin layers so, of paint. So these dolls the, the scared blue- the shit out of you so much that you now know the whole manufacturing process. For half an hour, I was <laughs> yes. I literally put my I put my camera down. I opened my phone and I'm like, I was like Google. I'm just like, and I, I for 20 wow. minutes. Yeah, I just had to wow. know the origin of what this was. I was like so wow. angry and frustrated that like so the the blue uh, over time the UV I guess deteriorates right. yeah. the blue paint and the the blue eyes turn pink. Now I don't know why you wouldn't hire like a painter to repaint the eyes of your fucking dolls. Anyways, uh, that's but, how like, you know they're original. Oh, uh, maybe, and 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 just just the the fucking bed of just like the the the, the oh, children bad. of the damned, just and and I turned a corner. I literally because the bed another was movie facing, reference. The bed, yeah, exactly. So like, I walk into the bedroom and I take a picture from the uh, from the entrance, and then right. I turn walk to the next corner and I turn around to, to and I, as soon as I turn around, it's like all these dolls looking back at me, being like, "Welcome to hell, Ted." <laughs> I never had any experiences. Like I did have one really weird experience. Mm-hmm. Where I think the guy might have been a serial killer. Uh, <clears throat> so I do this delivery. Mm-hmm. And we were, God, what we were delivering, like a wa- hot water heater or dryer or something. And I'm in this basement. And their whole wall on one side of the basement is nothing but movies. Just DVDs. Just tons. But they're all horror. Just nothing but horror movies. <laughs> and like as a film fan, I was like, all right, I'm waiting for this guy to come tell me something or whatever. I'm waiting for him to come downstairs. So I'm like looking at the movies. And I'm just like, all right, cool, cool, cool. These are all fucking horror movies. What is going on here? You know, this I get it. Some people are horror buffs. Uh, but this guy comes down, and he's one of those guys that has, like, that nervous laugh. Like, like, like he, <laughs> like, nervously laughs, like, in between every friggin' word he's saying, you know? So I'm trying to talk to him, and I'm like, oh, so you must be a movie fan, huh? And he's like, <laughs> oh, no, no, those are my roommates. <laughs> but he's dead. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> And my 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 partner said he was outside, like ready to call nine one one, because he was like, "If you weren't coming out of there, I wasn't going back in that guy's house. I was calling the cops, thinking he's killed you." Because it was just he had that nervous laughter. He talks about his roommate being dead, like the guy just died like the week before, and he's like laughing. I was like, "Oh, sorry to hear that." He's like, "Oh no, it's, it's not that big of a deal." <laughs> I was just like, "What the fuck? Get me out of this house!" So he was probably a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a, a basement I went to, and it's always the big houses. It's always the rich people. Yeah. And uh, in the basement, there was a uh, a little uh, a room in the center of the basement. It was like a full kind of like built in like a full basement, not like uh, and uh, 
it had like it was a plexiglass room. So I think it was like a sex room. So you could sit and watch. <laughs> it was like a, oh sorry. Oh, so you're fine. A uh, sex room. Uh, yeah, so it was like a sex room. I was trying to find you the picture, man. Oh. I'll show you the gold stall. Uh, yeah, and and what was weird is that like I looked up and I looked up into the uh, the, the the basement ceiling. Right, yeah. Just all spider webs. And then on there was uh, uh, on the light switch there was literally like a speckle of red, like a smudging of red, and I thought it was um, like, like a bloody like fan. a bloody fan. But it had to be in paint. I was thinking like because it, it, it wouldn't have been red, right? And it was just that, and it was and I was alone. That was that was a lock box. So and uh, the doors, all the doors were weighted so they would close. So I'd open up a door and keep it open, but it would close behind me. And uh, yeah, it took me a while to realize that that was probably like a sex room. It was like a kinky thing because at first it was. It was like a, you know, right. There's a fucking plexiglass room just in yeah, the middle. Yeah, I, I think this. it was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It could have been anything because I, at first I thought it was a recording studio, but plexiglasses can't. No, no, can't, it's not good it, for that. It's not soundproof. Uh, then I realized it probably was like a voyeur. It was like a voyeur room. Uh, yeah. for you know, it was which is common. I don't want to kink shame anyone in this no, podcast. No, whatever. <laughs> you know, you don't think. Or it could have been a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he also had a, a, a that that house had the 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 master bedroom was painted salmon. And the uh, had a he had a glass brick um, shower, so the the, okay. the the entire connection in it that that was uh, that was the that was one of the most bizarre houses. <laughs> I, so, so speaking of, of sex rooms, this wasn't a sex room, but <clears throat> I was doing a delivery. We were delivering a freezer to a nice brand new house in Troy, and it's middle of summer. I'm wearing you know short sleeve shirt shorts and this guy this indian fellow answers the door in like a fucking parka like like full-blown winter parka right and instantly i can hear noises like uh, uh. walk into his living room he's leading me to his basement to go so i know where this freezer is going so i can measure the doorways and stuff and up above his fireplace is a giant tv and it's it's Club Jenna. Jenna Jameson is just fucking full blown porn. Just like uh, 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 like just going and I'm like, what the fuck? So then I come out and I'm like, dude, to my partner, I'm like, this guy's just watching porn. And he's like, bullshit. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> it is parka. it's like surround sound porn and he's just chilling in a parka in the summer. And he's like, bullshit. As soon as we walked in, like it was still going, just full bore and we get in the basement and he's like what the fuck is going on and i'm like i don't know but that was like <clears throat> i've never seen a sex room in any of my deliveries but that was uh an interesting i've never seen sex toys i've always thought like i'm gonna find that kinky couple that has sex toys but i did see a full-blown samurai sword in the bedroom like like uh, like leaning up against the uh, like little like bedside table and this was like a good this wasn't one of those hundred dollar things you buy online this is like a full-blown like samurai sword just like leaned up again and i'm trying to think like what kind of cosplay what kind of like <laughs> what kind of uh, <laughs> uh, you know like role play does this involve with like a... all right i'm gonna let you in on a little secret okay, okay. so you my... do role play with your wife <clears throat> no <and> I... <laughs> no my girlfriend's very anti-gun okay so like i do have a shotgun because i hunt mm-hmm. but it's like got multiple locks on it right Mm -hmm. so i also have swords and that used to be what i kept under the bed as a like Uh, defense weapon because one i think that's going to catch someone off guard if they're coming to my house and be like fuck you also took japanese sword fighting classes so i can probably kill you with it too uh but so that was like you know like a baseball bat i had a sword 
So that was that was. I didn't have it chilling right. in the corner. It was under the bed, but I could reach under and grab it very quickly. Uh, but yeah, that was my weapon of choice yeah, for a while. Is, I think this is performative. There's something. I mean, it was. I mean, this, it was not a stand. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I have to leave some background here because it was so unsettling. Because, <laughs> like, one, it's not. On, it's not on a stand. Some people they have. Yeah, they they, a decor- they have, I have a decorative stand somewhere. Exactly. Because I, I have more than one. These. This is. These are just the red flags. Jason. Right. One. No stand. <laughs> two. Like this is not a cheap sword. Right. And it's just. And three. It's like too close to the bedroom because the bedroom's a sacred place, right? And like uh, too close to the bed. Right, because right. you know what I mean, you, right? And with guns, I come across guns all the time. People yeah. are people are way too lost. I got to tell you, people are way too laissez-faire with, yeah, with, with their like guns. leaving yeah, guns. That's out, why so you hear like, about people. Did you hear uh, a country star, or well, a rising country music star, mm. just died because they were shooting a music video and the gun went off? Why would you? Why would you a, use a real fucking gun in a music video? Because you're not smart. Uh, but yeah, so. yeah, I blame the production company on there. Mm-hmm. Got to talk to the UPM on that. Yeah, well, that I mean, everything's so independent nowadays. I could totally see that happening. Who's got money for a replica? Just uh, I got this gun laying around. Let's use this one. Yeah, no. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> got to talk to the prop master on that. Right, right. Yeah, maybe it was the same one that was on uh, the crow. Um... <laughs> oh man, <laughs> another movie reference. If you don't know your movie history, but. Uh... Oh man! So what else you got going on? You you had some other stuff you had written down there. Yeah, I uh, um, right. So uh, I'm also a screenwriting teacher uh, in the gig economy. Okay. Kind of through a bunch of different things. So I teach screenwriting at the Writers Workshop Detroit. Uh, so if you're, where's that at? That's uh, in Metro Detroit. It's uh, it's a writers workshop. They do lots of different writing. So they do like poetry, uh, novel writing. If you want to finish your novel, and I'm I teach screenwriting with them. It's great. It's it's an eight week course. We talk about uh, feature film writing, but also writing spec scripts for television, because television is really hot right now. Yep. And yeah, so uh, I really like working with people. How long have you been doing that? I've been only doing that for about a year okay. now. Uh, but I like bringing in people. A lot of the people that come in are professionals. They've, you know, maybe they done, they've done creative writing in the past. You know, they're, they're teachers. They work in tech or right. something. And they have this interest in, you know, actually channeling their creative energy into a script. And so it's, uh, it's great to see people, you know, uh, you know, with a, like, you know, a little bit of foundation, but not a lot of guidance and to kind of coach them through like an eight week class and to like go over all of the, uh, it's always the- awesome to see people taking that initiative, right? Like mm-hmm. after actually going after one of those things, um, so like, I didn't really get into much of my film journey earlier, but that was like one of the things and the reason for doing this podcast too, like to, to promote people that are doing those things that are chasing after their, their dreams, pursuing their passions, however you want to phrase it. Uh, when I, so I went to film school in Chicago, was like 2002, like I said, I took a year off graduating and then, uh, I was, I was doing a lot of stuff. Like that was the part that sucked is I was like getting my foot in the door. A lot of the film industry is knowing people and those connections. And I was getting my name out there within the Chicago area. And then I had to move home cause I couldn't afford to, to stay there. Um, and then when I moved back here, I tried to start a nonprofit, uh, for specifically aimed at like filmmakers, like trying to get the equipment f- network like like-minded people because that's one of the harder parts right like especially back then where cell phone cameras weren't so good and little digital cameras weren't so good it was like it's hard to have access to all that stuff the, to a good computer that can process and edit to the, the a good camera that's gonna actually look decent instead of like really super horribly low budget right so it was like the my goal had been let's get 
that equipment um in network so that way like if you were were interested in directing or you had a script that you had written and you're looking for people like this group this collective group of like-minded people would help because that was one of the things i struggled with was finding people that it's always easy to find people to say yeah i'll do that it's really hard to find people that have the passion that want to actually do it so that was where i always struggled with but then the whole nonprofit thing like you have to have like a board you have to have a treasurer you have to have all these other things and that i couldn't even find people to help me shoot something on the weekend that wasn't happening so i looked into it got a little book and stuff about it and uh didn't end up going anywhere with that so then after that i've written a couple like scripts uh for things that i wanted to shoot uh, a lot of times it's like i would write with friends in mind, people that I know that could possibly convince them with some pizza and beer to like, you know, act in this thing for the weekend or something. Um, <clears throat> but never actually filmed any of those things. Uh, and then it's it kind of like after that pregnant job, you know, I, now the nine to five, right? Um, and that's that is interesting because I am envious to a degree of the the freelance kind of like I'm trying to keep my life open so I can work on the shit I want to do obviously like in a situation with kids and the whole family it's a lot harder to do that so like i find my time uh you know <clears throat> when i can make it uh but i would love to work on that like i am working on a project outside that is going to eventually take some time um but that is that is you know one of, that was like my journey i've always loved film and i know the moment uh two two moments that led me in that direction of like if this was what I could do with my life, this is what I want to do. Uh, one was probably around 1 a.m. Uh, watching USA Up All Night. And I saw The Professional, or Leon, for the first time. And I was just like, this fucking movie is amazing. I wish I could do something like this. And then <clears throat> in high school, we had the Books to Movies class, which was comparing and contrasting the differences between a book and the movie based on that book. Um, and after that, like when I had met with our career counselor or whatever in school they were like yeah film schools are out there you could totally do film for a, a living if you wanted to and it was really cool it was really refreshing when i went to columbia college we did the open house and it was funny one guy was like the one of the the people doing the open house was like how many people want to be a director and i didn't i just wanted to make film i didn't know what i part i wanted to do and like everybody raises their hands and he was like cool one of you will <laughs> <laughs> like he's like because your idea of what a director is may not necessarily be what a director is so right. you may find that you really just like editing or you really just like the design part or you really like cinematography or the sound right like so it was funny because and that's what he said it's the most common thing is people come into it with this preconceived notion of what it is and then through the experience find out that that's not really what they want to do uh, which i thought was kind of refreshing to like to have that honest like yeah out of you, like, 70 people in this room, one of you may end up actually being a director. You may all find yourself doing other things or may not even like it. And I think that's one of the – that was what was kind of cool about that and that I was able to – and I don't know what your experience was going to a bigger school. Uh, I didn't have to do all the prerequisites before getting into actual film classes. I could do them side by side. So, like, I was, I had, you know, like, a basic public speaking and, like, English, but then I also had aesthetics of cinema, history of cinema. Like, I was able to get into some of those film classes to start, like, learning more of the, the film stuff before having to complete all these prerequisites things. Was that experience, how was that when you went to uh, the school you went to? Uh, yeah, so I went to U of M, uh, which is, like, a, you know, yeah, big Michigan. School. Yeah, it's a big school. So it's not going to be as... Uh, specific it's not gonna have all that technical 
uh, instruction as Columbia, uh, which is something that uh, I definitely noticed and that a lot of people who were in that program were kind of complaining about. But um, actually, I'd like to get back to something earlier you said about uh, the okay. what you said about working freelance and uh, the positives and negatives. You have to understand, like, yeah, it, it's uh, so. <laughs> obviously, obviously, creatives. Anyone who's in any creative career—you could be a musician, uh, a filmmaker, uh, whatever, uh, a painter—you're gonna because you need to pay the bills. You gotta, you, you're gonna be presented with this dilemma. Sure. It's a like, struggle. Oh. Are you gonna do the nine to five or are you gonna do freelance? They don't and, call it a starving artist for nothing. <laughs> exactly, and uh, it's funny to hear you say that because uh, me, now that I'm in my thirties, uh, I, you know, I now. I'm looking at a nine to five. I'm like, oh man, I want that nine to five. You know, I, th- I think <laughs> every 22 year old who's like either out of college or trade school or, or has you know got there a little bit of like you know they got the desire to be an artist. It's like they're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I could just freelance and I'd have all this time left. And yeah, thinking, thinking no. that it's great when I go hey, listen. <clears throat> like uh, I, I, you know, the gra- first off, you know, the grass is always greener, right? Oh, for sure. And I think that uh, there's there's no perfect situation, you know. Also, living in LA, there's some people who just had like rich parents, and everyone goes, "Oh, I wish I could have rich parents." And I'm kind of thinking, like, but then you'd just be like, like Lori Laughlin's daughter of like you wouldn't, you know? Oh, that, wow, that's my yeah. that's my experience no. of living in LA, and definitely like For there's sure. this term trust fund hipster, you know, which is just somebody from with right. very rich parents who just moved to LA. Maybe they didn't even have a college degree or they went to film school or something. They just had, like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just you know be rich and right. you know like uh, uh, dress in expensive clothes and hang out in Silver Lake and start a band you know start a band <laughs> you know because you know and then uh, yeah but those people never took it seriously and they never were successful so it's this funny and the reason why I bring that up is that we're now in this weird situation where you have to you have to have some sort of income to manage right. what it is that you're doing. But you also need to be productive, right? You need to produce. Whether it's right. you're going to put your album out, you're going to finish your script, you're going to make the movie. You have to see it through. Uh, you have to see it through. So w- w- I'll tell you this. I don't know if my time freelancing was spent properly. I don't. Right. I mean, like to be honest, I don't know if I would have been more productive if I was – sorry. I don't know if I was, was more productive than if I had a 9-to-5 job because at least, I don't know, with a 9-to-5 job, if you have a little bit more money coming in, that's productivity right there, right? right? So like, you know – not being able like you know just you with more money comes more freedom uh a little bit more so you know it's it's what you do with your time as well so like it's a weird weird situation we could yeah fill, we could we could fill up a whole hour of oh just... for sure and I, I wasn't i didn't want it taken as that that right like or like oh yeah you just got the life no because i understand like the, there is that opposite side right and that's one of the reasons like i have a family i've never been able to take that risk and i appreciate those people that that take that risk where they're just like you know what i'm chasing it it's funny because um one of what he's this guy delano bridges he's been on my show twice um but one of the things he says is and he's all about people being creative but you know he's in the nine to five world too uh but he's like those are always going to be there so if you have something that you want to take a crack at do it because nine to fives they're not going anywhere they're always going to be there so if you fail at whatever you want to try to do, that nine to five job still going to be there. Not maybe the one that you currently have, but they're not going anywhere. That business model is here to stay for the foreseeable future. So why not just take that risk today and try it? Which is is an to me is is a pretty good philosophy because I think there are too many people that are held back by fear, and that's why I respect like you 
sure you're finding yourself in the nine to five or like that looks great now and that and it can be great because it offers you the stability the disposable income to to pursue some of those things um and I've kind of found myself balancing between those things because of the different jobs that I've done while also trying to be creative in some, some fashion. Uh, but no, for sure. Like that, that model of lifestyle, the freelance thing, like that is a fear, right? If you're a freelancer, doesn't mean you're going to have consistent work, right? Like that's, that is a scary thing. Um, and it, it takes some balls, I think, to, to move in in that direction. But then also, I think it's a it's a, a good thing to recognize, like, hey, like, I really want to be serious about this. Because I think, too, there's too many people that want want to do something but aren't passionate enough to actually see it through. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> and so you find those people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. But they don't – they're not all into it. They're not full bore. Like you said, like, they're not outputting – finishing up that project, putting out that album, because at least then, even if you do, you can say you did it, you tried it. If it doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, at least you're doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, <sighs> yeah, I, I, it's a real, it's this, it's, it's, it's like this big dilemma. Uh, like there's uh, you know, people I like, I respect on Twitter where they're like, Oh, when you're in your twenties, you're like, get me, I don't want to ever work a nine to five, fuck nine to five. And then in their thirties, like, so how can I get this nine to five going? You know, it's, it's this, uh, I think it's, uh, and as I said earlier, it's grass is always greener. Uh, I was had just having a conversation with my coworker cause she, I have like, uh, I have a coordinator that works with me in this new job and she came from advertising and to her, this is the most creative thing ever. She came from a very corporate background right. and this is like, now she's working with a film festival and we're bringing in creative talent and stuff. And the irony for me is like, well, I'm coming from freelance work, you know, actually media creation, and I'm transferring into this. To me, this is more corporate. It's this weird middle <laughs> section, right? You know? So, I, yeah, so it's all about perspective. And, For sure. And I also believe that, like, even with kids, you know, it's like, um, you know, I'll tell you this, like, I waste a lot of time. And even when I was freelance, you know, if I have, like, if I have, like, a day to myself or half of a day to myself, because maybe I have a shoot that comes up at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, from when I wake up, up until like one thirty, when I'll leave for that shoot, I, I, I'm trying to be productive, but maybe I'm not being as productive as I could be, right? So that, that could be like wasted time. But if I say, had like a family or something, and like I got like an hour of like my time to myself, maybe I would take that one hour uh, and really, and really like push hard and like right. get some writing done. Like, okay, I need to get five pages done, you know, of a script. Yep. And I'm just going to do that. Uh, no, I, no, I can't speak to that accurately because I don't have any children. Uh, but I'm, I'm, you know, but do you, do I can you tell you, what I, mean? I can you, tell you, 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 yeah. you, fuck that. I'm going to relax for this hour. Okay. <laughs> no, like, so like me, I like, I, you know, <clears throat> I'll play video games mm-hmm. or I'll watch a movie and there's often times where I will get done with watching a movie or just playing some video games where I'm like, Fuck. I could have just been doing something better. I could have been finishing this project. I could have been editing this audio file and getting everything ready. Like there's definitely times where I have that, but then I also recognize like there's just times you have to unplug, you know, and that's, that's the, 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 the harder part for me is being a parent and also being a leader, uh, in, in the corporate world is like, I'm constantly working because I'm dealing with 
attitudes and behaviors there and then i come home and i got a 15 year old that's giving me attitudes and crazy behavior here and and like Mm -hmm. the family dynamics so for me that that hour where yeah sometimes i could be productive and i get down on myself because again like i have things that i want to accomplish and for sure i think that's a, a big problem with a lot of people is that you're not always at max production all hours of the day or taking you know better time management but sometimes man you just gotta unplug and just do something for you to just relax and because for me that's how i i manage things like i you know what i mean and so but but because i want to accomplish things like i do get down on myself like fuck you could have just been doing this like i tell my girlfriend that all the time she's like what's wrong with you i'm just like just fucking wasted half a day playing a video game it's like yeah i beat that game but fuck man i could have been getting the boat ready i could have been writing like when i wrote that book like what really kicked it into high gear was when i had my surgery i was unemployed for a month Mm. i finished writing that in a month because i had nothing else to do but play video games and watch all of breaking bad in one month um that was literally so in one month i finished a book watched all the breaking bad right beat destiny and taught myself how to program basic android and built an app that was what i did in one month when i had no nothing else to do Yeah, and that's that's a great story of productivity. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this: uh, freelancers waste time all the time too. I would yeah. say that like the most the you think you feel shame for not getting things done. Imagine not getting things done, and you're not even making the salary of a right. good nine to five job. So there's yeah, I, I I mean I would say that in this new thing that I've done with my life when I moved to Michigan because it was kind of a crazy job. I was making okay money. I was making pretty good money for a single man in LA editing. So I kind of settled into post-production, which is great because that's going to be actually year-round. It's not going right. to be seasonal, like working on sets. Right. Uh, I, I, I walked away from that to, to do freelance work in Michigan and to be like essentially an artist as an independent filmmaker. Uh, and it's, it's all you. It's all about right. your production. Like I, I started working with goal planning which is something that I encourage people to do. Um, you know, it's it's something that's... But even still, even with goal planning, even with all that stuff, like, you know, there's no coach anymore, right? No. You're not in school. Like, no, you've got no deadlines. Your, your deadline is... Your deadline is the, not to get morbid. It's the day you die. Uh, and, and then there's a lot of shame because, listen, there's a lot of people who uh, say like, oh, I'm, I'm 30-something and I can't... I haven't, haven't done my book or haven't done my movie. Where it's like, and again, like you mentioned that shame of like, I wasted four hours. Well, you know, it'd be, maybe, maybe you shouldn't uh, feel that much shame. Not that I'm saying that you felt that way. It's like, maybe you could have, I mean, maybe a better way to think of it is that you could have put in two hours of, of video games and then in two hours. Because the way how creative minds work is you get on yourself all the time. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't have done any video games. Right, so I exactly. And I should have written this and I should be at this thing. And so-and-so, uh, you know, For Orson sure. Welles made his first movie when he was... <laughs> you know 16 or something you know you know you realize the but but also like yeah you don't have to be uh you don't have to you don't have to work it towards any type of those goals and like don't don't think about the past because we're all going to waste time yeah uh steve jobs wasted time you know you know uh but it's it's like you know yeah work towards the future and goal planning really really helps I think sometimes that waste of time is when I come up with some of my better ideas. Just because I, I'm tu- turning off, I'm not trying so hard to think of something or to, to work on something or focus on something. Um, and I think that, that sometimes yeah. that creativity, it comes from those those periods of wasting time. Yeah, and I, I uh, when I started this job, uh, so 
I started about a month ago uh, and it was me and another person and a lot of work just got thrown into my lap because it's just like, oh, great, you know, the festival's happening in May. These are all the things you need to get done. And the first week was just just, just trying to get our heads around like what was things that were under our like responsibility. And I just remember being very stressed out and then I went to lunch and I went to lunch like by myself. Uh, and I said like, I'm going to go to lunch. And as soon as I sit down to lunch, I just had all these creative ideas. And it was just, it was literally just once I took myself away from the regular responsibilities. Okay, we're going to sit down. We're going to be at a desk. We're going to coordinate this. And, you know, oh, are we going to get back to these emails? That just blocks you up, or at least me. But then once you sit down to lunch and there's no screen in front of me, I immediately start it's thinking a, of solutions. It long, yeah. yeah. You know what I, I used to do is I had a, a, a recorder, an audio recorder in my car mm-hmm. just for when I was driving. If I had an idea, I could just be like... Yeah, to try I, to record it, but then I would listen back to myself and be like, oh, "What the fuck were you thinking?" But uh, I use but, I use Evernote. Uh, that's a that's a free app for those listening. Uh, you can uh, what I like to do is uh, you can have that on a desktop on your computer, but it can also have a mobile app, and it's just it's just note taking. Yeah. But I actually like the format of it because what I do is I start an idea on Evernote, so I'll start yep. a new app, write it, and then I'll revisit it. Uh, I'm pointing to uh, Jason's computer right now. I'll revisit <laughs> it on the computer, and then you can actually like long form with a keypad. Right type it out because i'm an old person and i have to type yeah, on a keypad yeah. no i i do the same thing like so when i was thinking of this show right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and trying to figure out like what i wanted to call it like i had a, a running note in my phone mm-hmm. that i use a, a different note app uh, but i was doing the same thing like i was like this is what uh possible names these are the episodes like i had the first seven ish episodes already outlined like what i wanted the topics to be awesome. who i wanted the, the guests to be like who would fit this um, so like that was kind of where I, I, I did that too, right? That, that initial game plan. Um, and then I have, uh, a one note file on my computer too, for like show notes and stuff like that too, that I'll do just a like one, it saved me really good. Like one episode, uh, the audio went wonky and it was actually recording through the computer mic and not through the microphones that we're using. So all the audio that we listened to, we listened to a lot of music videos, uh, didn't record so i had to literally go back and find where did it start find the video but i had notes of like everything we listened to so that at least saved me to a degree but that man that was the worst edit it took so long to edit that one episode just because of that it was like a two and a half hour conversation because some time flies like right now we're at an hour and a half wow uh it does fly but we can um Mm -hmm. we can wrap this one up i uh but it's it's awesome to to see someone that's kind of and again, it's the other side, right? Right. It's always greener. Like someone that's done something with their life and had experiences that I, earlier in my life, I wanted those experiences. I wanted to do that. Um, I have a, a relative that worked on quite a few movies on the uh, Superman vs. Batman, on one of the Transformers. And he tried for a long time to like kind of break in. And uh, eventually it was just like, it's too much traveling. Can't have a family. You know, he was doing more of like the the shoots, uh, and just decided to nine to five it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's oh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm even looking like trying to do like teaching full time actually. Yeah, and there's mean, nothing wrong with it. It's awesome, yeah. and you just find that time in the in your spare time to be creative. Like yeah. I've got guests booked up until 
you know, I'm into May now for scheduling wow. these. Um, some weekends I'm double booked, like next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, then I'm trying to work on that that screenplay uh, slash script, whatever. I'm trying to work on that too. Like just mm-hmm. had a call yesterday that we were on a conference call for close to like an hour uh, discussing that. We had a meeting here and then recorded an episode too. Actually, I thought about recording the whole creative process and releasing that as a nice kind of little series. Uh, if it'll happen, I don't know yet. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's now it's just trying to you know, do that, that nine to five thing. At least if like the teaching thing is something that you're passionate about as well, that helps. Yeah. And just, uh, the idea of having the summers off. I don't know that it, it, what a lot of filmmakers do actually some, some more like smaller, like filmmakers do is they do that because, um, it gives them this one time. It's like, can you, can you uh, put your film together over the summer? Right. So let me ask you this uh, before we, we wrap up. Mm-hmm. For anyone that was aspiring to get into film, uh, whether it's production, it's it's doing the shootings, post production, any of that stuff, anybody that's that, that wants to do that, what would you recommend as a as a starting place? Where would you recommend them to go, or what to get involved in? Because that's that's one of the struggles like that I personally went through was just not knowing who to go to. Mm. Oh, oh, uh, what I found is. Uh, um go to places where people are going to be. So like a film festival, this is going to be a plug, but yeah. uh, it, going to a film festival is a great place. Cause you're going to actually, it's twofold. Number one, there's going to be people who are going to be hanging out there. Who's going to be filmmakers or film related people. And number two, you get to see movies. So you actually get to see what an indie movie is. I mean, you might aspire to be a big budget filmmaker, but you might actually want to make smaller work. So actually if you volunteer, so this, all right, so I got it. I, I found, I found what I wanted to say, Jason, I would say volunteer. You, you, you're going to find out that there's going to be a number of like nonprofits or groups that uh, have events or something. Uh, and, and offering to volunteer is something that, that people are going to want to do. So um, at a film festival, for example, they rely upon volunteers. So what you might end up doing is giving up a couple of your uh, afternoons, tearing tickets, you know, at a, at a box office, but what they'll end up doing is they'll let you get into films for free. So that's great. If you're able to like sacrifice a little bit of your time, you'll get into however many films you want to get into. And then you'll also be able to meet other volunteers who probably will be other, maybe perhaps aspiring filmmakers. And that's a great networking. I, th- that's actually what I did when I came back to Michigan. Cause I was okay. like, I, did, I knew a couple of people, but I didn't know anyone. And so I, I volunteered, I volunteered at the Redford theater, which is a okay. historic yep. theater. I just, I just, cause I don't, I don't have a wife and kids. I just started volunteering at places. Uh, and there, I mean, there were people, there were high schools that wanted someone with filmmaking experience to come in and like teach the kids like with lighting to do lighting. Oh, and stuff. Really? So I just started doing that. And I just, I found ways to get into that. And from those connections. And then I found out that if you have, like an event that has some educational aspect to it or professional development, you can actually get funding from that from the Michigan Film Office. Uh, so I just started, so, okay. so volunteer to listening to this. Find a way. And now on movie sets, uh, you might find yourself on a movie set that sucks. Uh, but uh, yeah, that 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 could be a really good way. And I'll tell you this: that that's a great intro. I mean, a great in. Okay. Sweet. That, that that's like I said. Wanted uh, to help anybody else. That's that's you know. That's that's considering that was the word I was looking for. Considering uh, pursuing something like that, and that's a, I think a great thing. That was something that didn't cross my mind uh, mm-hmm. when I was, you know, really gung ho, interested, like trying to do figure out how to get into this, um, which is which is a great thing I never would have thought of. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Ted. I appreciate you coming out. Um, go ahead, plug your stuff again. What's uh? I'm really bad at at plugging. I don't even have a website, guys. Uh, so I have. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, yeah, I would say, listen, if you're if you're interested in getting um, a really good concentrated eight week class on, on screenwriting, if you really want to get to like the end uh, and, and make a contribution to your writing, I would say check out the Writers Workshops Detroit. You can just Google that. I'm teaching the screenwriting class there. And also, if you're in the Metro Detroit area or the Ann Arbor area in May, check out Cinetopia Film Festival. Uh, we have free events, we have outdoor screenings, but we also bring in a lot of cool films. And the short films, Detroit Voices, which is going to be Wednesday, May 15th, uh, that's, the, that's the program that I do. I do the full program of local short films, great short films, and it's going to be at the Historic Senate Theater, so it's going to be like a big house. Awesome, awesome. And now, if they want information on that one, is that also through Cinetopia? Cinetopia. Awesome, cool. Thanks again, Ted. I really appreciate it. Again, this is The Get Up. Uh, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at The Get Up Show. You can also check us out on Facebook at The Get Up Show Podcast. Uh, also, check out the site, obviously, thegetupshow.com. And then also listen on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. I think pretty soon I'm going to put up a YouTube channel too. Um, but again, follow, like, comment. Thanks again, Ted. Really appreciate you coming out, sharing your stories. It was very funny. Um, lifetime. <laughs> Love that one. I have to come back. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Get Up. Like what you heard? Think it suck? Or are you trying to do something other than just the normal 9 to 5 and you want to share your story? Then hit me up. Send an email to contact at thegetupshow.com. Follow the show on Instagram and on Twitter at The Get Up Show. Don't forget to visit www.thegetupshow.com and check out the links for our guests.